I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. It's tea for just a little while tonight. Oh, I just, I am, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, offering, yes. $4,000, get it, gentlemen. Go around, count it, come back, take it up. Keep taking it up until we get there. How's that? Oh, yes, in the graduation party right after service downstairs, we have two, Malia and Zach are uh, graduating. And uh, and I, uh, I know that that means a great deal to them, to their parents, and I'm very proud of them, very, very proud of them. And uh, it means so much. And I... <clears throat> Again, I am just basking in what God is doing right now. I, it's been a while since we really got to the place we got to. And uh, I don't, again, I don't want to lose this. I want you to take this with you. I, I want to I'm, I'm say some things right now that I feel uh, it's going to be prophetic in, in what I'm saying. That from this service tonight, from what we, we broke into throughout this week, everybody in this place is going to have a better week. That's, that does not mean that you won't be fought. That does not mean that there won't be temptations and trials. But the fact that what you received tonight, what you've already received tonight, is going to give you a sense of joy that you're not going to let go of. And you're going to see beyond the distraction my wife was speaking of. You're going to see beyond the obstacles. And you're going to see into a place where God really wants us to dwell. And that place is, is simply a place where joy it's where the Bible says it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And, you know, you're going to know that. You're going to know that, and that joy is going to be an overwhelming thing for you because you're not going to allow anything to, to take away from that joy. When God gives you joy, you know, the, the Holy Ghost is joy. It is righteousness. It's peace. But we do not always tap into the joy that we have in the Holy Ghost. These are the things, this kind of service, is what, what stirs up the gift that's within us that allows the righteousness, that allows the joy and the peace to come to the top. And then you take that with you and you go into the world, you go into the workplace and you've you got, you got a song in your heart. And when someone else looks mean and upset, you're not going to let that bother you. When the boss calls you a bad name, you're not going to let that bother you because you've got something better stirred up inside of you. Turn with me, if you would, 1 Corinthians, 4th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 4th chapter. I'm going to read it to you right now out of King James and the Amplified, and then I'm going to come back probably in a few minutes uh, after a little bit, and uh, I'm going to read to you in what's um, called the message. Not the best, but it's just got a good translation to it. Verse 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 18 through 20, and it says, Now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord will, and will know not, and, and will know not speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Verse 18 of the Amplified says, Some of you have become conceited and arrogant and pretentious, counting on my not coming to you. But I will come to you, and shortly, if the Lord is willing, and then I will perceive and understand not what the talk of these puffed up and arrogant spirits amount to, but their force, 
the moral power and excellence of soul they really possess. For the kingdom of God consists of and is based on not talk, but power, moral power and excellence of soul. Excellence of soul. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence, and we pray here that you would touch, bless, and keep us, God, that you would allow your word to go forth. You've already done a wonderful work in this place, and we're believing, God, that you're going to do that much more because, Lord, this is your desire, this is your will, and your anointing is real here this evening. And I pray, God, you would touch us even more so in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. One more time, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Would you do that? One more time. Oh, my. You know what? We're going to go downstairs, and we're going to fatten up the body. Because our spirits are so fat right now. You know, it'll just, we'll try to keep up. Do you think that's okay? Now, not in your case. It wouldn't help anyway. Uh, it's good to have Mike. I, for, I forgot he was back there. He's quiet. And he's, of course, you know, he turns sideways. You don't see him. But uh, <laughs> I always love Mike. Great guy. <clears throat> woman went to the doctor's office where she's being seen by one of the, one of the new doctors. But after about four minutes in the examination room with this, uh, this new doctor, she came bursting out of there, screaming as she ran down the hall. An older doctor stopped her and asked what the problem was. So she began to explain to the older doctor what had happened. And uh, after listening for a while, he had her sit down and told her to go relax in another room. The older doctor then marched down the hallway to, uh, to the back where the first doctor was and demanded, he said, what's the matter with you? He said, Mrs. Terry is 63 years old. She has four grown children and seven grandchildren. And you told her she was pregnant. The new doctor continued to write on his clipboard, and without looking up, he said, does she still have the hiccups? <laughs> Words are powerful. Words have caused nations to rise and words have caused nations to fall. They've caused, caused hearts to swoon. They've caused marriages to collapse. But words can also have the opposite effect. They can lull a listener, even turn the listener away. Even Paul had the misfortune of having one of his listeners fall asleep and, and fall out of the third story window in Acts 20, verse 9. So words do have an effect. Uh, that story about, of course, the, of, the, of the person falling out of the third story makes all preachers a little more comfortable in the day that we're living in. Uh, in, the, in the day and age in which we live, we are subjected also to, to so much rhetoric, just empty words. You've got politics, you've got politicians, you've got people who just ramble on and seemingly say, don't say a thing. 
But unfortunately, we have the same problem within the church. So many times we ramble on and on with our religious ease, but in more uh, than a mantra that we've memorized. We just learned to say the right words. And folks, it was a perfect example tonight of what I'm talking about. Because we talk about worship, we talk about worship, but we never get to the place because we don't take the time to get to the place that we arrived at tonight. Because we're so used to words, we listen to them, but we don't hear what's really being said. You see, when you say the right things to God, something good begins to happen. Because power is also in those words when they're talked to God. When God takes the words that you have given Him from the heart, something begins to come down. There's a power that is stirred up inside of you that only God alone can give. Praise God. The Lutheran pastor always started each service with, The Lord be with you. And the people would respond and say, Also with you. But one Sunday, the PA system wasn't working. So the first thing he said was, There's something wrong with the microphone. The people responded, And also with you. So you got to be careful what you say. you got to be careful what you say. You know, tonight Paul encourages us in our text to be more than words. He encourages us to walk in power. I don't want to just have a bunch of empty words. I don't want you to hear me tonight in just a bunch of words that I've said. I want something released in which has already been released. There's been a power that's been released in His church. There has been a couple of young men that God has talked to. I'll talk to them alone. And there's been much more that has already God has corresponded with you. He has talked to your heart. Let this power take root inside of you. Don't just toss it aside. You know the definition, two definitions of word in the Bible. One is logos, something that is, that is written, something that describes uh, the supernatural or something that describes uh, deity. And then there's rhema, which is the word of God spoken in power. It's what rhema means, and it's used in the Scripture in both ways. You know, it talks about faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word or the rhema of God. So faith only can be built when God takes what I am saying or somebody else that's saying from up here or even somebody back in a pew that is saying something and all of a sudden it becomes alive to you and all of a sudden you understand what's going on. Then your faith is built. It's not just words off a page that you just listen to because you know it's expected of you. It's something more, something deeper that is stirred up by God Himself. Oh, God, help us to understand this tonight. Please help us. Help us to understand what you want to do. Help us to come to the agreement with you. The next word is power, and it comes from dunamis. And it's a force, and it's specifically a miraculous power. Actually, if you look up the meaning of dunamis, it goes further than that. It says that dunamis can mean a violent power. That's why the Bible says the violent take it by force. They take it by dunamis or dynamite. 
if that's where the word dynamite comes from. It's an explosive, miraculous force that we feel. It's stirred up inside here right now. And there's absolutely, I'm telling you that if you really believe God and you've had, you have caught hold of what's going on here, you can reach up to heaven right now and God could take away every pain, everything that you're dealing with, everything could leave instantly because of that. And if we were to restate verse 20 based upon these definitions, we would say Christianity or salvation, I'd rather use salvation, is more than something said. It is something that is marked by miraculous power. Salvation is more than a word. It is marked by miraculous power. First Corinthians 4.18 in the message. This again is just an, it's another uh, translation. It's just interesting. I, I thought I'd throw it in here. I know there are some among you who are so full of themselves they never listen to anyone, let alone me. They don't think, this is Paul speaking, they don't think I'll ever show up in person. But I'll be there sooner than you think. God willing, and then we'll see if they're full of anything but hot air. God's way is not a matter of mere talk. It's an empowered life. I like that translation. I like that. The word dunamis. Very key. It shows up many times again through the New Testament. We're instructed, encouraged, admonished, and asked to walk a powerful and victorious life throughout the Scripture. Not just speak the words. So where is the gap between the words we speak and the lives we may many times live? we got to remember that we fight from a position of victory. You don't have to worry about how you fight. You're already fighting from a position of victory. You understand then the battle is not something you can ever possibly possibly lose. You're already victorious. So everything is built on victory. Everything is built on a position of already winning. Everything is already built on that. I, I, I can't every time I get to this point, I, I just I reread it tonight, the book of Esther. And as I, I was reading, I, I read about the condition she was in, how Vashti was uh, wasn't going to go before the king, Ashwaris, Persian king. He wasn't going to go before. She wasn't going to go before him. So Esther was put in her place to be queen. And then, of course, Haman, he hated the Jews. He hated Mordecai. And he wanted, he wanted, he wanted to get rid of them. And so he, he puts out an edict about them, you know, uh, giving him the glory that he deserved. And they wouldn't do it, especially Mordecai. But it comes to the point. It comes to the point where Esther tells all the Jews, she says, I, I, I want you to tell them, Mordecai, she said, let them know we're going to fast. And we're going to fast for three days, three nights. And we're going we're, we're to get ourselves prepared. And then she said, I'm going to go before the king because if she had gone before the king and he did not accept it, then she would have been instantly killed. And so the only way that you knew that you were accepted is if he took the scepter and took it out and then she could touch the scepter. And so it was a scepter of acceptance. But what she said before she went, and she said, if I perish, I perish. I don't care. But those were just words. Words. 
It's easy to come in here and say, I'm going to do everything I need to do to get myself right with God to win souls and do all the things that everybody wants me to do. And you can come in here tonight and have all this power that's in this place. And you can make all kinds of promises, but it's just words. You see, what happened in the next chapter is what mattered. If I perish, I perish. But she took it to the next level. She took it when she walked to the king. And she knew that she could die instantly from going into his presence. But when Hashuerus took the scepter and set it out before him, and she could touch that scepter, she had saved all of her Jewish kinsmen. Do you understand? That is what God wants us to do. He came here tonight. What he did at that particular time in our worship service was extend the scepter and say, I'm accepting what you're giving me tonight. It's just not a bunch of empty words. And everything began to break wide open because somebody said, I'm going to perish, I perish. But they took it to the level and said, I don't care what I got to do. I got to have a break. Oh. Oh. When I signed up in this thing, when I got the Holy Ghost, as I signed up, that's what you all did. You signed up. I didn't sign up in the Boy Scouts. You see, I, I don't get Eagle Scout badge for starting a fire when the Holy Ghost begins to move. That's not me that does the starting the fire. It's Him that gives the fire. We all started, if you would, by our worship. But I didn't sign up in something like that. Some people take it like that. Uh, you know, the, the word Christianity is bannered around so much that you don't even know what it means, but it does mean something, and it means Christ-like. And when you say, I'm a Christian, that means I'm Christ-like. Not just a term of a church, a Christian church. There's a lot of them that call themselves Christian. That's the furthest thing from what a Christian should be. So we didn't sign up the Boy Scouts. We become new creatures. When I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I became a new creature. Old things were passed away. Behold, all things became new. And with that change, there are some things that become available to me, to us. We have more to offer than nice, encouraging words. We have a power that is now available to those who are willing to use the source of power. Tonight I'd like to share, just for a few moments, this word power, dunamis. There are five points that are available to those, and let me just call them, they're not PowerPoints like we know them, but they are PowerPoints, that are available to those who call themselves born again, children of God or a true Christian. One is inherent power. According to Thayer's Greek dictionary, this is a power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. You see, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive the nature of Jesus Christ. It mixed with you, your nature. That's why you battle so much. 
Those times that you say that you're fighting demons, you're not fighting a demon, you're fighting you. But it's easier for us to say demons because we don't want anybody to think that we have a battle. But we do have a battle. Why do you think Jesus Christ gave us the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Yes, number one, it's resurrection power. But it is also power to overcome the flesh. It is also power to have miracles. It is also a power to feel what we're feeling here this evening. It's inherent power that we got from Him, inherited from Him. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I just quoted, Therefore you're a new creature in Christ. All things are passed away. All has become brand new. You're no longer operating as you always have. You're no longer operating as this world operates. I'm no longer a part of this world. My mind should be on Jesus. My, my heart should be in His hands. Everything that I do should be with Him in mind. First Corinthians six nineteen. What do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, who is in you, that you receive from God? You were bought with a price, you're not your own. Therefore it says, Honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. Why do we get involved physically with worship? It's because I'm honoring God with everything that I am. I'm honoring God with my body. I'm not showing my body to everybody that wants to look at it. My body belongs to Jesus. Ladies, remember what I just said. When God comes into this house, something happens. You receive, when you receive the Holy Ghost, a powerful, powerful, powerful enhancement. You know, now it's all popular and everybody's believing in DNA this and DNA and they're, you know, gonna, they're gonna transplant animal DNA into you and make you look like a coyote and, and jump like a bobcat, you know, and, and, you know, that's why they're doing all that. Do you realize that we got everything that we ever, whenever I, this is another one of those things. I, I remember the first time that I went to the Philippines, uh, there was a story told. It had happened right at that time. I was with Johnny Arcovio at that time when, when we went. And, and they, one of the pastors told me that, that one of the way back in the sticks, pastors, uh, some of the uh, some of the Islamic terrorists that was in the area, he was having church, and they walked into his church, and they took a three fifty seven Magnum revolver and point blank shot him in the face three times. And this is a God's honest truth. He spit the bullets out. And guess what? They didn't bother him anymore. Yeah. You remember that? He spit him out. He wasn't Superman, but he had something inside of him. Do you get what I'm saying? If God can perform that kind of miracle for him, why can't he do some things here? like God takes and puts some kind of high performance chip inside of me. That's what I've got. 
You know, I've got this high performance thing and it's there all the time. And, and even when I feel, I don't feel like doing what I'm doing tonight. Even when I feel, I do it anyway. Why? Because there's something moving inside of me. That's why you say, oh, I just don't feel like worshiping God tonight. I don't feel like raising my hands. But when you push through that last little bit and you get that hand up in the air, all of a sudden everything just kind of breaks loose and you say, I can do it. I can do it. I can love God. I can run the aisles. I can dance. I can jump. I can do it all. You can't tap into that, honey, unless you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, you can try to do it on your own strength, and God may try to he, he goad you here, and He'll goad you there, and might even let you know a few things, but you really don't tap into Why in the world is that preacher activated? Why do those people do the way they're doing? Why? Because we've got something inside of us that stirs up when we begin to worship. Jesus Christ comes down, and He touches that part of us that's a part of Him. Are you hearing me? And when He touches that part of us that's a part of Him, there's just something that, that makes our feet a little bit lighter. It's something that's said, hey, I feel like I can almost jump from here to heaven's doors because God is stirring up that gift that's within us. Aren't you glad you have the Holy Ghost? Don't you wish everybody had the Holy Ghost? This is what completes us. It's what completes us. It's what makes us whole. It makes us whole. God created man from the dust of the earth. He was, in, he was supposed to be God-like. And man messed it up in the Garden of Eden. And ever since then, God has been wanting to give it back. That's why He came and made a way for us to have a part of what He is. He said, well, the Holy Ghost, you know, I, I'm not sure it's done anything for me. Will you wait till you hear the sound of the trumpet and you'll find out what it does. And if you keep thinking that way, it may not work. I've not had any miracles happen for me. Keep thinking that way. Go ahead. Be stupid. Be imbecilic, moronic, knuckleheadedeth. I may knucklehead into a, a nice word or headedeth. Yeah. Be that way. But you see, for me, in my house, we're going to have miracles. We're going to have signs. We're going to have wonders. We're going to see... Oh, come on. Are you losing it already? Act like... I know you're tired. You worship so hard. You worship for an hour. But come on, give him just a little bit more. Give him just a little bit more. Mmm... This is why Paul said that God is His sufficiency. His sufficiency. That means that everything He needed was within God. There was nothing else He needed. I'm sufficient in Him. Everything is there. This is just the beginning. There's a whole lot more. And we have to move beyond talking about it and begin living it. I have messed everybody up last two Wednesdays because I preached. Yeah. Messed them up. You, you did it last Wednesday, wasn't it? It was me. No, no, you weren't. That's right. You were gone. Uh, he preached this morning. That's what you did. So he preached this morning. Preached the last two Wednesdays. 
And actually, all you wore out people got a little bit into it. And you were wore out. I understand being tired. I understand that. And sometimes on a Wednesday, but again, if you can just get that last little bit into it, you don't have to jump to the ceiling. You can jump halfway, and it's just as good. You don't have to do it. But, but if you just give just that last little bit, then you find that even on a Wednesday, you can feel the Holy Ghost stirring up inside of you. Even on a Wednesday. There's power in the Holy Ghost to perform miracles. Peter and John were at the gate beautiful. There was a lame man from birth. And through the name of Jesus, Peter brought this man healing. And to the astonished crowds, Peter said in Acts 3.12, Men of Israel, why does this thing surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? He said, why is this a surprise? I know. I, I know sometimes things happen and we're surprised, but we, and we should always be thankful. But it should be so normal for us that it's not a, wow, it really happened. It's thank you, Jesus, for allowing it to happen again. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing it to happen again. Did you get the again part? Again and again and again. Every time that he does it, we need to be thankful, but we shouldn't have to be surprised. We should never have to be surprised. It should be normal for us. Sometimes when we pray for healing again and God answers, there's a surprise. And, and although this, this type of power is promised over and over in Scripture to us, it's a part of what receiving the Holy Ghost is all about. It's a part of that. Zechariah 4, 6, Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. John 14, 12 through 14, I'll tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me, and I'm, this is NIV, that, that what, what in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name. And he said, I'll do it. And that's what it says. He said, ask anything in my name according to his will. It's always his will to see someone saved. And if it takes a miracle... A miracle in the middle of a church service, and so be it. That's what we want. What would you do? What would you do right now if somebody walked down here and they were just their head was rotating around and round and we cast the devil at him? What would you do? Oh, he messed up Brother Robertson's preaching. If you got a devil and you want to get rid of it, I am all for it right now. Come on, come on. No devils tonight. Now, the trouble is, is that the devils are subtle devils. Right, Neil? Those subtle devils, they don't let you rotate your head around, around, around. They just sneak in. They hide under the pew. They don't want anybody to see them. They just bite you on the ankle every so often. Just to get your mind off what's going on. And that's exactly what they like to do. Matthew 18, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree on anything you ask for, it's going to be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, he said, there am I with them also. There am I with them also. Supernatural, miraculous, life-changing power has been granted to us. Are we using it or are we just talking about using it? And then the third one is a moral power. There is a third power in this, and it's granted to us to walk in. And this moral power I'm talking about is the ability to have excellence of soul. Excellence of soul. Isaiah 1.18, Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. Though they be red as crimson. 
they shall be made like wool. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best, the best from the land. If you're willing and obedient, you're going to get the best. God can take you regardless of how nasty a life you have served, regardless of how bad that you've been, regardless of what you have had to endure, and regardless of what you had people tell you that there's no way you can change. No, you can't change on your own, but my God can change you just like He changed me. My God can make a difference in your life just like He made a difference in my life. Don't tell me otherwise. What is the best of the land? What is? Standing clean and blameless before a holy God. Tonight a power has been granted to you through the blood of Jesus Christ. A power that can bring you excellence of soul. And are you walking in the power or just talking about it? Are there habits you have in your life that you have said, I'll never be rid of? I'm going to tell you something. Right now, that lie is from the pits of of hell. That lie is from the pits of hell. You're tired of being in the condition you're in. You've been weary of it for so long and you've tried to do everything and you stand right now. You stand at the door. You stand at the doorway and you think everybody's telling you that it can't happen, that it'll never happen for you, that all of this is just a, just a put on. Let me tell you, friend, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Well, everything that God has given me has been real. Everything that God has done for me has been real. It's just as real as it possibly can be. It can make a difference in your life. It can make you better than you've ever been. It can change your attitude. It can change with a drive that you have. It can change what that drive is all about. There can come to a point where your desire and your hunger is for God and for God alone. That you love your family like you've never loved them before. You weren't raised in an atmosphere like that, but God can change all that. He can put a love in you that you'll love your wife and love your children, that you'll be there for them regardless of what goes on around you. That's what God can do for you. Why? You said, oh, yeah, well, you were raised that way. Not always, my friend, and not everybody in here was that way. Let me give you one more. I'm going to talk about the power and the influence which belongs, it belongs to riches and wealth in us. You realize there's a power and influence in riches. There's a power and influence in wealth. It's all there. <clears throat> Church one morning, Sunday school teacher, about to start her four-year-olds. Sunday school class, there was a little boy that showed up without any identification. Sunday school teacher managed to get his first name, but couldn't find out his last name. She asked him, she said, Brian, what's your daddy's name? And uh, he said, Daddy. She tried again. She said, Brian, what's your mommy's name? He said, Mommy. Suddenly she realized exactly how she could get the answer that she needed. She said, Brian, what does your daddy call your mommy? His face lit up with a grin and a deep voice. He replied, hey, babe. (laughs) I said that gets your attention to tell you this. Our life comes from being a joint heir with Jesus Christ. We know His name. 
We know his name. Do not ever get weary of hearing someone preach about the name of Jesus Christ. I took it in water baptism a long time ago. You, most of you have taken it in water baptism. There is something so precious, so cleansing, so powerful. When you take the name of Jesus and water baptism, Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. Ye must be saved. You know, Japan submitted to the U.S. by surrendering in World War II. And we, in return, protected Japan. When you surrender to Jesus Christ, then you are protected by Jesus Christ. When you take on the name in water baptism, you are protected by Jesus Christ. You know, we could compile an incredible list of Christian perks. But I want to focus on just the one right now. And that's associated with that name, Jesus. A power that enters our life because we have bowed our heart to the Lord. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. In our says, Therefore God hath exalted him and given him a name above every name. At the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Folks, there's power in the name of Jesus. But it's real easy for you to say amen to that, but do you believe it? Do you do it? Do you act on it? Can you walk up to somebody and with all, all, all your security that any person could possibly have, say, let me pray for you in the name of Jesus and you will be healed. Can you say that without any doubts in your heart? Can you say that? Because that's how we need to be. We don't have to protect Him. He protects us. And when you go praying for somebody, you don't have to make excuses if they don't, are not healed. You don't have to. You just walk away because God will do the work. I can promise you that. If it's not instantly, it will happen. We don't have to protect Him. He protects us. And so we need to take that name and go forward and know that everything's going to be okay. In Galatians 6.2, the Bible says, Bear you one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. In Ecclesiastes 4.12, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A three-stranded cord, a three, a cord is not quickly broken. The next part of this, not only do we have the name, but we got one another. We have one another. Don't be the Lone Ranger out there. It's really easy to get mad at the person next to you if they don't do things your way. But no one said that your way is right. You know, if you get down, you ask that person to pray for you, and that person will be there for you. Don't down them when their back's turned. A three-stranded cord is not easily broken. There is power in the strength and the numbers. And there's a reason why God put us together as a church. And the reason that He did that is to help one another. And it takes work to not only function but also flourish as a church. But there's power. We do more than, and we do more than just talk about it. We talk about unity, but are we unified? Do we love one another? Do we forgive one another? Do we meet each other's needs? 
This is where we begin to step into the dunamis power that the church was intended to be in. We were intended to live in this forceful power that sometimes seemed violent. We're not talking about hurting somebody. We're talking about sometimes it can come on us to such a degree that it's almost violence in its force. That's what it's speaking of. As the music comes, President Franklin D. Roosevelt got tired of smiling, that big smile, and saying the usual things at all those White House receptions. So one evening, he decided to find out whether anybody was paying attention to what he was saying. And as each person came up to him with extended hand, he flashed that big smile and he said this, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And people would automatically respond with comments such as, How lovely. Or just continue with your great work. They would say this. Nobody listened to what he was saying except one foreign diplomat. And when the president said, I murdered my grandmother this morning, the diplomat responded softly, I'm sure she had it coming to her. We talk a whole lot. But how much does anybody listen? But I can tell you one thing. For everything that I have done here this evening, if one person would come up here and walk away with leg extended or getting out of a wheelchair or with a pain that, that was obvious or, a, or something obviously on the outside, you would remember that. You would remember that. You'll remember the story about the Filipino eating the bullets and spitting them out. Why? Because there was power there. We get used to preaching. We get used to hearing the stories. We get used to the Scripture. I don't want us to just get familiar with Scripture any longer. I want us to be about Jesus Christ, not about me. I want it to be about the kingdom, not about me. And as you stand with me here this evening, As your eyes were closed, I, I want to ask you this question or questions. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, do you really know? Do you really realize that you are a new creature? And do you know that you have the miraculous available to you? Do you have that? Is it a part of you? Do you have excellence of soul? Do you know the power behind the name that you bear? Do you know the power behind the name that you bear? Do you understand the concept of strength in numbers? Why did God say what He did where two or three are gathered together? It wasn't about being a few. It was about numbers. He just lets you know you need two or three to really get the job done. That's what he was saying. We use it when you've got a bad storm outside and you've got two or three people show up at church. Well, that's great. But how much more can we do with 300? How much more can we do with 500? I know God's the same regardless, but I'm saying that's what he's, he's telling us. If you've got the numbers, there's going to be more moving. And if you're unified, there's absolutely nothing that can't be done. Every head bowed and every eye closed. This altar is open right now. This altar is open for you. Do you have 
the resurrection power in your heart? Do you have the power of Jesus' name working in your life? Do you have it? And if not, this is a place to receive it. This altar is open for you. Don't go, don't go through life, the rest of your life, unhappy, letting someone else dictate to you what you know you should do in your life. So many, so many people, uh, their whole life is lived a certain way because they're allowing people they know that are wrong to tell them this is how they should live. What do you know in your heart? How has God dealt with you and how you live? The Bible tells us there's not salvation. You can't find salvation in any other. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Have you received baptism in Jesus' name? Have you been buried in the name of Jesus? And have you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues? The promise is unto you, to your children, to all those that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Are you ready? Are you ready for heaven? Are you ready for victory? Are you ready for miracles? Do you have that in your life? This altar is open for you. I got my eyes closed. I'm not looking. I'm not trying to point out anybody. I'm not trying to do anything like that. I'm just asking you. I'm asking you because I feel, I feel in my heart there's still, there's still more than one person here that needs to be down at this altar. There's still more than one that needs to be down here. Would you come? Would you come? God, I want to be ready. I want my heart to be right. I, want, I, I, I don't want to put this off another day. I don't want to put it off another hour. I want to be ready for heaven now. I want to walk out of here not just ready for heaven, but I want, to, I want to walk out of here with victory in my heart, with the power of miracles, and feel it. Feel what the rest of those Pentecostals are feeling. I want to feel that same way. I want to have the joy of knowing I'm right. I want to have, I want to have peace in my heart when I go to bed at night. I want to be ready. Would you come? Would you come? This world is it's counting down so much. There's so much spiritual wickedness in high places. It was brought out this, this morning and again this evening. Uh, you know, there is so much stress, so much strain, and I feel like we broke through that. I really feel we broke through that tonight. God really came down and visited with us, and now He's prepared the ground of your heart, that, that fallow ground of your heart. is prepared tonight for you to do something. The opportunity may never be as great as it is right now at this moment for you to walk away from this altar full of the Holy Ghost. There is never an ever an opportunity will be as great as what it is right now because of what has already occurred. There is a special time and a special season for every person, every individual. And I feel tonight in the Holy Ghost that that season is right now for one person out there. I really do. And I'm not just saying to get you here. This is what I feel. My eyes are closed. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? You know, it's so hard for me to close an altar. I, I never really close an altar, but close an altar call, I guess is what I'm saying. And I, I don't, I, I want to reach out to as many people as I possibly can, but I really feel strong tonight. I strongly, this has been a, a perfect service. This is, 
been a perfect service for me. Maybe, maybe you didn't get what I got out of it this evening, but I got a lot. And I'm feeling extremely sensitive in the spirit right now. I feel such an anointing. And I, I, I just, I'm reaching for you, reaching for you. My spirit's reaching for you. You feel the conviction in your heart. You feel, you feel the grip of the Spirit of God trying to draw you forward. You feel it. You know it's there. One of the things that you will find out that you, you will get more from God when you respond on your own than when someone has to bring you forward. You will get a whole, a whole lot more because that's your way of saying to God, I know I need it. It's me that, that needs it. I'm not doing it because somebody else is bringing me forward. I'm doing it now because I know. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? The altar's not closing. I'm just going to lay the microphone down. This altar remains open. The altar remains open. Don't continue to put off something that God is trying to do here this evening. Please don't put it off. Lord bless you this evening. Singers will go ahead and sing.